Welcome to Cream, Eggs and Jam. A podcast for food nerds with show and tell by Elise Bullbrook and Scott Bagnell. We love to cook with cream, eggs and jam and learn from food people who give a damn. So join us each week for thoughts, tips and tricks with guests, recipes and more in the mix. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Hi, it's Elise here. (laughs) And I'm Scott. And welcome to our Christmas special of Cream, Eggs and Jam. Yes, it's so nice to have you with us. And today I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri country. And I'm coming to you from Yuggera country. And we'd like to start our podcast with acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land in which we're recording our podcast today and pay our respects to elders past and present. So we thought it would be wonderful, perhaps a little bit of fun, perhaps joyful. One last hurrah. Yeah, our last hurrah for 2022. Christmas podcast special for you to listen to while you are wrapping presents, glazing hams, mm, making baked goods. Um, yes, perhaps you're icing cookies, yes. gingerbread, gingerbread. Maybe yeah. you're making and a massive gingerbread house creation. Yes. We're going to give you some tips and tricks <laughs> on mm-hmm. some Christmas hacks, some of our favourite things that we like to do at Christmas time. We're going to talk wow hams. Ooh, yeah, a wham. Yes. Is that Wham. a theme or is that a singer? Now it is. Is that a band? <laughs> it is. I think they sing that, wake me up before you go, go, that one. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk about hams. No, we're not going to go down that tangent <laughs> where we could impose ham-related lyrics into a popular song. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk how to MasterChef your pav oh, game. Yeah, I love a good pav. Mm-hmm. Mm, and maybe some entree, main and dessert ideas for your yes. ultimate Christmas table. Absolutely. We are going to play a little game where we're mm. going to bring into the fold seasonal favourite ingredients at this time of year in Australia. And Scotty and I are going to come up with how we would use that ingredient in Christmas context. Oh my gosh, I feel the pressure already, but that's not what this episode is about. We want to alleviate pressure. Mm. Christmas can be a stressful time of year. And I think, yeah. you know, just let it go. I think do something that makes you happy. <laughs> yes. We don't have all the answers, no. of course, but we want you to know that we're in it as well. Yeah. We're real people. And uh, Christmas isn't just about decorating the halls with bells and holly. No. <laughs> we are in this together. And, you know, mm. if you need any last-minute tips and tricks, just contact us. We, we're here to help. We want to make your Christmas fabulous. And I think we should get into our podcast. Let's get into it. Shall we begin with the topic of what must be on your Christmas table for Christmas? Yes, must-haves. This is good. Mm-hmm. I recently put this question up on my social media. Yes. And got a range of replies Ooh. from my, my audience. Yes. And popular results were things like hams, mm-hmm. pavlova, yep. Christmas pudding, Christmas oh, yes, cake. yes. Uh-huh. And then, of course, there were some cultural items in the fold as well. So things that people can't live without if they are of particular backgrounds. And I have quite an Italian following. So lasagna was there. Oh, lasagna. And um, also like little rice balls, like arancini. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, people look forward to them at Christmas too. You know what so, I'm going to make this Christmas? 
What? Last Christmas, a friend of mine, Tash, gave me some Sri Lankan Christmas cake. It's not oh. love cake. It's a Christmas cake. Mm. And it was the most divine thing I've ever had in my life. And so I'm going to oh. try and make that this year. Have and you it made lasts. it? I've never made it, but my Auntie Angela makes one every oh. year. Minimum one, because typically what happens is you're probably eating the one from last year. Oh. Yeah. Have I left this too late? <laughs> oh, look, I, I think that you can soak fruit for like, you've still got a week to probably soak fruit if yeah. you wanted to. And that's a really good hack to really make sure your fruit's super boozy mm-hmm. and, and sloppy. I also believe that it's also not too late to make pudding. Mm. Okay. But this could be an unpopular opinion. I'm not a purist when it comes to these things. I am a, if it needs to happen to be on the table, to be there, just make the best you can with what you have. Yeah. You know, if you only have a couple of weeks, three weeks, you've got time. If you've got two days, you might have time. 24 hours to soak your fruit, go for it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's still going to be delicious and a lot of people get caught up on recipes. I think that's the biggest thing that stresses people out is they get caught up on following recipes to a T. And if you don't Mm. have that specific ingredient or you don't have that extra day or week to do something, they just Mm. abort the mission. But I think you can still go for it. You can substitute things. You can leave things out. Um, put yes. something else yummy in instead. If you can't find the fresh sage at the supermarkets, you can put something else in instead and it's still going to be delicious. Don't let that Absolutely. pull you off. Or if some booze is a bit too pricey, mm. opt for something similar but cheaper. Mm. I often use Concho in my baking, mm-hmm. particularly at Christmas time, because like Grandma Yeah is a bit more pricey. Mm. Yep. I um you know see what suits you. Uh if you would like to have a Christmas in July, Ooh. now's the time to yeah, double your puddings, double your cakes. Why not? Mm, yeah, yeah. Have something at the back of the fridge or the back of the pantry cupboard for you to enjoy. For another party that you've started planning at least six months in advance. (laughs) No (laughs) doubt. The Christmas pudding, like if I'm going to make a Christmas pudding, like soaking the Mm. fruit and having that all like macerating and getting gorgeous for six months makes the most Mm. amazing pudding. But you're right. You can do it 24 hours beforehand and it still has enough time for that booze to soak into the fruit and it's still delicious. I agree. Now, we've said, Scotty, we don't want to encourage stressful Christmas time. Mm. And here we are talking about making puddings and cakes from scratch. <laughs> I, I think that Christmas time is a time for planning and strategizing. Mm. Look, at where, look at the time that you have and where you can maximize, I suppose, um, cost saving, time saving and joy maximization. Yes. Um, Great idea. If, if you have to buy a pudding or buy a cake, sure, go for it. But if you don't have time to make it, perhaps before just resorting to buying one, see if there's someone in your family that does have time to make one because it's not that hard. Mm. The first time that I've ever made a Christmas pudding with someone was for the Christmas pudding that I photographed for Reza Recipes. Yes. Um, Reza Recipes is a book that I've written this year. It's a and collection it's of community recipes and it's available as a free ebook if you go to my Instagram, Elise Food Person, mm. and you can click on a little link there and you can get it. Oh, anyway, yes. I photographed a lady named Emma Peel. She's a Melbourne based DJ. Mm. 
and she made a pudding that she would typically make in the company of her mum or she would make it in the company of her grandmother. And it was so easy, Scotty. You soak your fruit and then you have all the wet ingredients mixed together. Yep. Then you mix the wet and the dry. You pop it all into a calico, uh, you know, linen kind of cloth and you steam it. You do have to watch or boil it. You have to watch the water level of the pot constantly because water does evaporate, particularly when you have the pot on for up to three hours. Mm. Um, So you do have to keep a kettle on and just keep topping up the water and look at the levels. All the instructions are in this recipe, but it was so easy. People get intimidated Mm. by puddings. They perhaps seem complicated, but they are not at all. And what you can also do, what I love at Christmas time, is you can pimp stuff up, buy the pudding, Mm. and then make a beautiful brandy custard. Make some, Mm. grab some beautiful seasonal fruit um, and have with that. You can pimp it up so you've eliminated the stress of making the pudding, but, you know, sides, I think, are a really important element, not just for desserts, but for, you know, your main meals, those sort of things that you can easily add in and that personalises that Christmas touch. Your brandy custard, Scotty. Yeah. Can you run us through how you make that? Ooh. Is that something you know off the top of your head? What is your brandy custard kind of method? And will you Ooh. post it for Christmas? I should post it for Christmas. Um, I love making custard for Christmas and... <laughs> My cousin Mark is addicted to my custard. And so his Christmas present every year, I make him a big litre jug of custard. (laughs) That's his present every year. He just eats it out of the jug with a spoon. (laughs) It is so delicious. I I think the the trick with custard is egg yolks, lots of egg yolks. I like to put lemon zest in my custard. It just gives a nice little freshness. And it's Christmas time. Don't try making low fat, um, any sort of skimping on the ingredients. Go all out, I say, at Christmas time. It's it's a time for indulgence. It happens once a year. So I use just cream in my custard, mm. egg yolks. Like thickened cream? Thickened cream. Thickened, yeah, yeah. Egg yolks, lemon, brandy, absolutely delicious. And I just pop it in the Thermomix. If you don't have a Thermomix, you can do it on the stove. It's really quick for to thicken it up on that stove. Um, but the Thermomix is great. You just throw everything in, hit the button, eight minutes later you've got the perfect custard. Oh, yeah. Mm. I do enjoy using the old Thermomix. <laughs> yes. Um, but are you looking for an anglaise type consistency with your pudding or do you like something a little thicker? I like it a little bit thicker. I put a bit of corn flour in mine because mm-hmm. I like to just get that consistency where you get that dollop and it holds its shape a little bit but then just droops mm. over the pudding. It is so luxurious oh. and delicious. Beautiful. Mm. Would you have one final question? Mm. Do you prefer hot pudding, cold custard, or hot custard, cold pudding, or hot and hot? Hot and hot. You're in Queensland, so. This is true. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hot and hot, I think, is the best combination. But you're right. Queensland weather at Christmas time is usually horrifically muggy and hot. And so most of the things on my Christmas table are cold. What I'm going to pose a question to you. What is your must-have on your Christmas table? What does the Elise Poolbrook Christmas table look like? Yeah. Um, look, it's not necessarily the Elise Poolbrook table. <laughs> I, I have uh, created a situation of control over Christmas Eve, oh, um, but I don't have a, co- <laughs> a 
situation of control <laughs> over Christmas Day. Um, growing up, Christmas Eve was at my nonnu's, uh, and he passed away a few years back. Mm. So Christmas Eve celebrations have totally changed with the family. We don't all, you know, uh, go to his place. It's not a thing that happens. Um, so now I do a little bit of a friendsmiths at my place at Christmas Eve. Um, and it's probably the party that I look forward to most because it's devoid of family politics. Um, we do get, you know, some cousins coming over and, and think anyone that's really available, our doors open, but it's such a relaxed night. It's, it's not a time where you've got that issue of, oh, who's talking to who and who's not talking to who and can they sit together and, oh, I hate that about Christmas. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, anyway. Um, so on Christmas Eve, I it's a rule-breaking thing as well because it's not Christmas Day and I don't want to double up things that people are probably going to go and have on Christmas Day. Um, this year I'm doing a giant paella. I have oh, like yeah. a, a paella pan that's what, like a one metre like, diameter circumference. What's the right word? I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> um, it is huge. I fed 50 people with it. Yes. Uh, with you. We did, a, we did a wedding after party that was Spanish themed. Um, <laughs> and little did we know we would be fe- feeding Spanish people and luckily they were happy. Yes. So, um, so I'm going pressure. to do paella um, and some tapas yeah. as well. What a great idea. On the barbecue. Yes. So obviously that's not like a must have, mm. but, uh, I suppose it's a, a rule-breaking thing. And, I think that's uh, a great example of, you know, not having to have mm. that pressure. One of the mm. most memorable Christmases for me with our family is we decided to throw tradition out one year and everyone had to bring a dish from a country that they wanted to go on holidays to. And it was the oh, yeah. funnest Christmas. We had all of these random dishes. We had these Thai dishes and Indian curries and... Absolutely Mm. all sorts of um, beautiful food and it was so fun. Everyone really got into the spirit of it and, you know, it it opened the conversation about holidays and where you want to go and travel Mm. and it was just something completely different. So you don't have to have the baked ham and the pavlova. Look, some people listening might disagree and say, absolutely, if you do something like that, surely someone will still at least bring the oysters and champagne or surely someone will still bring the pavlova or trifle. Um, It can go wrong. It can go wrong. Like you can have all the best intentions of steering off the path, but then you have the traditionalist, don't you, that that, that, that insists that the Christmas ham must be featured on the table. So you can end up having like a plethora of food that you have to consume and um, become very (laughs) full at the end of it. Oh, I hate that feeling at Christmas. Oh, I think a Christmas nap is always required after you've had a very yes. big meal. Yes. I'm interested to know what your Christmas looked like growing up versus what it does look like these days. Um, you know, I think you do have control over Christmas Day this year. People are coming to you? Yes. We have broken tradition this year as well and we want to do something different. Quite often um, you have to travel. We travel to see all the different families. So Christmas Day for us is usually breakfast, lunch and dinner at a different family member's house and it's travelling up the coast, down the coast, all 
all over the place. And so mm. this year we are just staying at home and we're having a little canapé Christmas. So we're just going to have little nibbly things throughout the entire day and we're just reducing the pressure. So there's no set meal time. There's no set things that everyone needs to bring. I'm just going to make some delightful little canapés that will be done throughout the day and you can just rock mm. up whatever time you like. And I think it's going to be nice and fun. Take that pressure off um, and, you know, you don't have to get there at a specific time and people can just drop in whenever. And everyone else is doing the driving. <laughs> I know. I feel a little bit mean because I've just passed that on to everybody else. But, you know, if they don't want to drive, they don't have to. It means you can continue to drink an entire bottle of something progressively throughout the day. Look, secretly, yourself. I'm quite excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have oh, some lovely dear. wines from the Margaret River. <laughs> mm. um, for me, growing up, there was so much driving, and some years there was more driving than others. Mm. Um, I am a child of divorce, mm. and so that meant, uh, and so is my mum. So that meant going to Nonnell's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve at Nonnell's would typically include like Italian um, donuts, zeppole, mm. and they would be donuts that would either be like savoury donuts with anchovies in them or parsley. Um, um, I've had or your donuts. anchovy donuts. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, my nonna Carmela would make them on Christmas Eve. And so that's my nonna's second wife. She's Calabrese uh, from the south of Italy. And uh, her zeppole were always very oily. Mm. Um, and they would be a, like a staple Christmas Eve starter. But I would much prefer looking forward to the, the sfingy made on my nonna's side for New Year's Eve. Oh, they were a lighter spingy? donut. Um, sfingy are a Sicilian Donuts. Oh, yum. <laughs> so you've actually had sfingy. The, and the sfingy that you've had with the anchovies is my nonna's recipe, ah. my nonna Giovanna, um, or my nonna Agata, which is her mum. And they aren't as greasy. Mm. I think maybe it's just, it was just Carmela's cooking. I think she cooked in olive oil all the time and she cooked on a low temperature so the donuts just absorbed so much grease like you could wring them out and they would just drip oil oh gosh um, <laughs> <laughs> so they they would always be there they would be oh things that i can't even remember the names of um these little it's like a biscotti that you make in logs and you chop them all up and they will resemble gnocchi, but they get baked. And then after they're baked, they get cooked again in this sugar syrup with honey. And then to serve, you sprinkle hundreds and thousands all over them. Oh, my them. God, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and they are uh, like hard as a rock and all stuck together. Imagine a plate of like gnocchi stuck together with caramel. That's what it looks like. They're not wow. gnocchi, they're not soft, but they're biscuits. And they, like, break your jaw to eat. Oh, gosh. Um, they would be a standard. I can't remember what they're called. I'll have to look it up. Um, I, look, you, you eat them and I ate them, but they, but they weren't my favourite thing as a kid. Yes. Um, I think that sounds amazing. Yeah. My, my Christmases were very traditional with the ham and the turkey and the mm. baked potatoes. And I think that sounds amazing to have all these different things at Christmas time. My Zeal John married a lady from Sydney and she – Full Aussie. 
and she came down to Melbourne for her first Christmas and was like, what, what do you mean there won't be turkey? <laughs> <laughs> so her Christmas must-have was turkey and uh, for Christmas lunch on my nonna's side, like someone had to make turkey for Nikki because otherwise she was going to be really mad. <laughs> God. Do you have a must-have? What's the one thing that you must have at Christmas time? Look, going to Christmas at one of my nonna's siblings' houses will always involve a lasagna mm. um, as part of the buffet table. Yes. And, and lasagna won't be anywhere else. So even if you're full because you've done Christmas lunch earlier in the day and now you're at maybe Zimmeria's on nonna's side for dinner, even if you're full, you're still looking for that lasagna because you haven't had that yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. Growing up, I would still probably eat pasta other than lasagna on Christmas Day. <laughs> I'm like reflecting on it now because I would go to my stepfather's parents' house. So I called them my, my nonni as well growing up. So that was nonna Michella and nonna Carlo. And she would, she would do probably like a handmade pasta. Or sometimes she would do lasagna. Um, and then that would be only first course. Then there would be schnitzels and things like that. Mm. Um, a dessert wasn't always a big thing there. It would probably be just sliced fruit, but that was normal. Um, Yum. Dad's side, probably more traditional English style fare. Um, even with the Sri Lankan influence, like Dutch burger, you know, Christmas cooking is very much similar to the Australian Women's Weekly <laughs> <laughs> Christmas experience with all the roasts, all the trimmings, roasted vegetables. Um, but everything would be allocated. Mm. So you, we would specifically allocate, okay, when we know that Annie Sharon's going to do a good job at roast vegetables, let's allocate that. We know. Divide and um, conquer. I love it. Divide and conquer. We know Annie Angela is going to do a good job at the puddings. Sago pudding, Scotty. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Sago yeah. pudding is my favorite at Christmas time. I do a really yummy Turkish delight Sago pudding. It is divine. Oh my God. There are a lot of Christmas must-haves upon reflection. Mm, my Christmas must-have <laughs> is prawns. It's a Queensland oh. thing probably. Um, probably, It's yes. usually really, really hot. And mm. so pra cold prawns, maybe, you know, to mix it up, you could do a bit of a prawn cocktail with some yeah. sliced iceberg lettuce and some seafood sauce and some lovely prawns on top. I love a good yes. prawn cocktail. But, yeah, it's cold stuff, cold stuff in, in Queensland. Um, the cold ham, cold prawns, potato salad, all of the mm. cold things. Uh, growing up, that was what we would – typically have um sometimes a turkey but mostly cold ham cold prawns potato salad yeah look the allocation to dad <clears throat> has typically been seafood yep and people do expect prawns and putting the food nerd cap on it is so hard to find sustainable prawns mm. so hard especially at christmas when everything is just sold out um yeah, if you can go the extra mile to look up where your prawns have come from and understand maybe what kind of environmental factors they might be living in, um, mm. 
try to. <laughs> um, because we should probably care at this time of year when we are eating so much um, of this particular variety of seafood, um, just to give an acknowledgement to understand the ocean ecology of, of where they are actually coming from and what um, that abundance of fishing for prawns in that area means. Mm. Um, just as a little a little tidbit on the side. I like um, it. It's very important. Yeah. So if dad gets the seafood, I'm the one that typically does something with it. Mm. And this will probably mean making uh, something that I know that will be a crowd pleaser for his side of the family. I like to bring in Thai flavours when I do Christmas seafood. Yum. It, it, I don't know why this is my impulse, <laughs> but... It's delicious, so why not? Why not? Um, like a Thai-styled uh, sauce for the oysters, fresh, lots of beautiful coriander, spring onion, all chopped up nice and fine with lime juice, fish sauce, um, chili, ginger, garlic, mixed up, water, a little, a tad of a little bit of water, maybe a little bit of sugar to balance. Mm. Yum, 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 uh, and. Fish cakes are actually, if you've got time to make fish cakes, I love fish they cakes. are an economic way to bring seafood mm. to the kid, to the Christmas spread. Yes, yum. Um, without breaking the budget. Um, oh, there was one year I did a seafood cocktail yes. with Morton Bay bugs. <gasps> it was a salad Whoa. with uh, avocado, mango, uh, watercress. And what I did with the Morton Bay bugs was I poached them in um, like a store-bought Tom Yum paste. Oh, yum. Right? Like a Tom Yum broth, store-bought paste, yep. Tom Yum broth, poach your shellfish in it. Yum. Okay. And then I <sighs> dressed the seafood once I peeled it all with um, like a chili, like a store-bought Asian chili oil. Mm, yum. Um, and I made a mayonnaise with... Sriracha in it. <laughs> it sounds way too many chili things for me. <laughs> too much chili. But like it was a lot of jars and a lot of like just mixing stuff yeah. and it was delicious. Everyone was like, what make this every year? Yeah. So the seafood wasn't doused in the mayonnaise. It was just dressed with and kind of glossy from the, the chili oil. Gorgeous. Um just refreshing bit of bit of lime, a little bit of olive oil on the leaves, avocado, a little bit of parsley, some coriander in the mix as well on the on the leaves and the salad. Arrange the seafood on top and then carefully dolloped um, sriracha mayo. So you've got like pockets of that creamy dressing. Um, and you can transport that quite easily. You just make sure you keep your seafood in one container, your mayo in a jar and the... Um, yeah, the sliced avocado, mango and rocket kind of separate in one container. So when it comes to assembling it together, you've just got your platter, put the leaves down, put the sliced mango and avocado down, put the seafood down and then your mayo and you're done. Oh, my God, gorgeous. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, there are so many Christmas must-haves. Oh. I suppose something that was very, very, very popular in my little poll to the, the public was ham. Mm, ham. To glaze mm. or not to glaze the ham. That's always a big question. It is a big and a very important very question. Very important question. And what to <laughs> glaze it with. I like yes. a glazed ham. I think it's a little bit more dramatic and it looks beautiful and it's a great way to impart some extra flavour into that ham. Absolutely. Mm. I am 
very much team glazed for Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And then when hams go on sale after Christmas and you get one super cheap, don't worry about glazing that one. That one's just for the fridge. And, <laughs> and the soup. Pan ham soup. And the soup. Mm. Yeah. Uh, now, to have a wow ham mm. at Christmas, Scotty. Yes. Do you have like a go-to glaze recipe or what is your yes. What is your approach? Look, um, like a lot of things in my cooking, I like to introduce booze into, <laughs> into my glaze. Yes. I have done uh, an amazing Campari glazed ham, but I think my most memorable is taking that. I did Campari glazed ham one year and then Andrew actually helped with that one. Um, he did this amazing Campari glaze. And then the next year I thought, no, we need to elevate this again. And I did a Seville coffee Negroni glazed ham. Oh my god! So Negroni is one of my favourite cocktails, and Seville coffee is a coffee with an orange um, liqueur in it, and so mm. the orange, the coffee, and the Negroni, all of those things, like the bitter orange, the coffee, um, the orange, works so good with ham. So Hello. I do a glaze. There's about I put some vermouth, which brings this beautiful herbaceous, which is what you would. Um, maybe put in a Negroni. Um, Mm -hmm. So 100 mils of vermouth, 60 mils of Campari, 60 mils of gin, a shot of espresso coffee, and Mm. about 150 grams of raw sugar. And you cook all that into a glaze in a pot, make this beautiful sticky glaze with all of that, and you just base that over the top. I sprinkle it with a bit of ground cloves, or you could put the little, if you score your ham gorgeous, so take the skin off your ham, but keep Mm. all the fat. That's really important. So you don't want to bake your ham with the skin on. You want to take that, peel that skin off really carefully and get rid of that skin. But that fat layer is really important because when that roasts up, it just like melts away and caramelizes Mm. with the sticky glaze. And so you can either sprinkle it with ground cloves or you use the whole cloves, score it beautifully and put one clove in each of the little squares of you scoring on the ham, pour that glaze over the top into the oven. It doesn't need very long. It could um, only like 30 minutes. You just watch it because it's a lot of sugar content can burn a bit quickly. So you just want it to get it all beautiful and caramelized. And can I tell you, coffee, orange, bitter of the Campari, it is amazing. So that's so my little little Ooh. complex ham glaze. I've got that Your recipe on my website, actually, grocery.com.au, so you can check that out. I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> What's your go-to ham Beautiful. glaze? I've only ever been allocated the Christmas ham. Actually, I don't even think I was allocated. I think I just noted in the allocations that no one was doing ham, oh. so I took it upon myself to add it to my workload. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> I will do things like that. Like if no one's making pav, I'll make three because they need, you know, yeah, there needs to be pav. <laughs> I have only ever made a glazed ham once mm. because typically there is a consensus that people – can give or take the glaze. I think the glaze does add that wow factor. Mm. Um, my partner, Adam, his sister, Christy, does the glazed ham for Christmas breakfast. Ooh, yum. And she does a glazed ham with the wow factor every year. And, you know, I should really ask her a recipe because I'm sure it's simple. Mm. Um, but what I like about it, the features that I like, are the beautiful caramelization 
um, of the fat. Mm. And I love it when there's that that colour from the glaze. Yes. It might be an orange or an amber. Yes. Or like a deep plum red. And so that would be what I'm aspiring for from a glaze. Not just glossy, but also a staining of the fat on yes. the ham. Yes. Uh, and I think that if you're going to go to the effort of glazing your ham, why not go the mile and get an entire leg? Ooh, so an entire they can weigh leg. a lot. Go Whoa. for it. So they can weigh like nine kilos, 11 kilos. Think about what's realistic for Christmas Day consumption and then what's realistic for afterwards. If you store it in a ham bag and you store your ham appropriately, correctly, mm. you can get through your ham uh, without any waste. Yes. You know, use the bone for soup. Um, this year, Scotty Bagnall, mm. I am glazing a ham. Oh, yeah. Fun. Um, so it's. The process has started with sourcing my pork. Mm-hmm. I want to source pork that has been um, reared in a situation that is as delicious as possible, in a situation that the pigs have been as happy as possible mm. without also breaking my budget. Um, Christmas time is a time where you can end up spending a lot of money. Mm. Um, so I am going to get my ham from a butcher that knows where the pig has come from rather than from the supermarket. Mm. Um, In terms of the recipe, I've actually settled on, and can you believe it? I've already decided. You've already decided this? Yes, I've decided. I've decided on the Bill Granger (laughs) recipe. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I've decided on Bill Granger's uh, plum and I think it's star anise, he calls it. What does he call it? I've got the book next to me. I love Bill Granger's recipes. Classic. Classic. He does simple well. Mm. And that's what Christmas is about. People are so happy with just simple done well. It's actually hoisin and plum glazed ham. And instead of studding the diamonds of the scored pork fat with cloves, he studs the diamonds with um, beautiful florets of star anise. And probably... Every second diamond of scored fat, it has a little star anise pricked into it, and they look gorgeous. I love star anise. Oh, it's so good with this type of meats like hams and pork and Mm. turkey. Oh, yeah. Duck. Yum. The spices are almost traditional. The flavours are almost traditional in this recipe. I'll post how I uh, approach it Mm. on my social media. Um, But the ultimate thing here is that it's a little bit out of the ordinary. So it is a wow ham. Mm, I like the It doesn't steer too far from tradition. Mm. Um, And you've got that gorgeous caramelisation, that deep amber colour from the plum in the glaze. Mm. Delicious. Yeah. Now you mentioned yeah, um, you mentioned storing your ham appropriately. What is mm. your best way to store ham? Yes, you need a handbag. handbag. What is a handbag? <laughs> Different to a handbag. Yeah, that's right. Say. You don't put your bag. ham in a handbag. You Gucci, like mm-hmm. don't do that. <laughs> you need clean a clean linen either handbag or cloth that mm. you regularly, and I'm talking every day to every second day. Um, Rinse with a uh, water and vinegar mix. Yes. 
I think what I would, I'm pretty lazy about it. And what I'll do is I'll get a big jug. I'll fill it with water. Um, first I'll rinse out the bag. Yep. I'll fill out, I'll fill up the jug with cold water and add a really generous splash of white vinegar, the cheap stuff. Yep. And then I will dip the bag into that, have, give it a really good soak, wring it out and then wrap up the ham again. And you have to keep changing the bag and putting it into the fridge in that moist bag mm. so that your ham does not dry out. Mm. Keep the ham beautiful and juicy. And it still lets it breathe a little bit. It doesn't go slimy. If you wrap it in plastic, it can't breathe and it can go off really quickly and go a bit slimy. Yeah. The yeah. calico bag is a great idea. It's time to hear from some of our listeners with their Christmas qualms. <laughs> I'm excited about this. Let's see what... Uh, hopefully the questions aren't too difficult. I'm feeling yeah. nervous now. Ah, our first question, Scotty, mm-hmm. comes from Holland. And Ooh. here it is. Hi, Scotty and Elise. Anneke here from Holland. I love to cook. I love to bake, especially with uh, Christmas. But uh, I'm also autistic and um, the holidays can be quite overwhelming and exhausting for me because of it. So I'm looking for a recipe which I can bake or make, uh, which is really tasty, which is really good looking, but won't take a lot of work in the kitchen. So I won't have to stand in the kitchen for hours getting all overwhelmed and then have to uh, have my friends over for dinner. So I'm hoping you have a few good tips for me. Um, I have a slow cooker, so maybe you have something fun for that, Uh, but it can also be the oven or something else. Uh, I can't wait. Thank you so much. Bye. Yay, thank you, Annika. Oh, I love this, Annika. Thank you. Yes. Now she's after a recipe. I'm going to limit you to one, Scotty. One recipe. Yeah. You have one recipe for Annika that is low effort, uh, not overwhelming, that is a crowd pleasing (laughs) and appropriate for the Holland climate. I'm supposing you have a white Christmas, Annika, which is totally different to our Australia experience. Yes, this is like completely different. Oh, I think I like the idea of the slow cooker because they're low fast. Mm. You just throw everything in and let it just tick away and then open the lid and you're done. So I think Mm. I would probably do like a slow cooked duck leg with some star anise, orange, like a duck a la orange type of thing with beautiful stock, some orange, star anise, some aromats, um, duck legs, just let them slowly tick away. You'll have that beautiful juice from the stock and the orange. Um, And I think that would be a really yummy Christmas lunch that's something maybe a bit different, fall off the bone. That is Special, Scotty. Mm. Wow, what an idea. Your brain, I love how it works. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do? Yes, so Annika, I would recommend playing it as simple as possible. Mm. And look, oh, I said we have to limit it to one recipe, but I'm going to give you... No, you can't break the rules. One. (laughs) Well, look, I've already given you an idea for oysters earlier in the episode, and you only have to make the dressing for that. And... The beauty of it is that you don't have to do any cooking and you just splurge on some beautiful oysters for your family or friends. Um, But, you know, I said that earlier in the episode, so that doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going to say, Annika, why don't you 
have a go at making a pav. Oh, have a go yes. at making a pavlova. They, my pavlova recipe that I love using, uh, it's not mine. <laughs> I love using Jamie Oliver's pav recipe in his cookbook, Cook. That's the title of the book. It's just called Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has three ingredients and you can make it, you know, what, five days before Christmas, put it in a, either keep it in the oven without the oven on so it's nice and dry or put it in a, a sealed container. And it's something that you can make days ahead. So you've got plenty of rest time, plenty of time to recharge your battery. Uh, and you can enjoy making them too. If you've got an afternoon free, uh, you don't need much time to make a pav, but definitely make it in the afternoon so that it can stay in the oven overnight and fully dry out. That's a hot tip for making pavlova. Mm. And then when you do have your event, all you have to have is whipped cream, maybe a chantilly flavoured with a little bit of vanilla paste uh, and beautiful seasonal fruit. You could do a fruit mm. compote. You could do fresh fruit. I like to play it simple and only do one or two fruits on my pav. Oh, yeah. and Lemon curd would... is really good on a pav too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and fresh fruit. That's Absolutely. a great one. A pav is so simple and it is it delivers that wow factor because you yeah. can just pile whatever things you want on top and it looks so impressive. And I know it's hot in Australia and cold in Holland, but what about pav with cold cream and hot fruit? That could be nice. Ooh, yeah. So we'll, we'll get into how to master chef your pav game a little bit later in the app. But Scotty, do we have uh, a listener I've, that sent you a voice message? I've got a couple of quick ones. Let's, uh, I haven't listened to them yet, so let's... Let's dive in. So this one is from Ellen. I'm going to play this one now. Hi, Scotty, and hi, Elise. I was wondering, what is your favourite meal to make with leftovers from a Christmas lunch? <gasps> mm. Oh, that is a good one. Leftovers. Mm. You know what I like is a good fritter. Yeah, fun. Uh, the good fritter, like corn meat fritters are really good if you're having corn meat at uh, at um, Christmas time. But ham, yes. you can do a ham fritter, fry up the ham for breakfast in the morning with a fried egg. Yeah. Mm. Yes. In terms of my favourite, I don't actually make it. My grandpa would. He's very unwell this Christmas, so he will not be cooking. Oh. Um, but... In past years, Grandpa has been known to cut up all leftover roasted meats, mm. all all meats, all meats. Tur- turkey, lamb, you know, uh, pork. He would just chop it, dice it. Mm. Yes. He would make pies. <gasps> oh, he would use yum. the leftover stuffing as well if there was stuffing in the turkey, for example, and he would make pies and they would be like, oh, my God, Grandpa's made leftover Christmas pies. That is such a good idea because you could use your veggies as well if you had some leftover roast carrots and potatoes. Like everything could go in that. Chunky pies with leftover Christmas gravy as well. Oh, Oh. yum. Yes. Oh, my God. And you could do pastry. Sometimes he would do pastry, but sometimes he would just do like mashed potato on top. Mm. Mm. Yeah, delicious. So that's my favourite. Not something that I've made. Um, but something that he would make. And I think for me, I'm a bit lazier than that. I would just do sliced, like, oh, leftover roast beef in any kind of context, any kind, oh, any yeah. time of year, leftover roast beef sandwiches. A good Reuben. Mm. 
With some sauerkraut and pickles. Yeah, look, and, ooh, like yeah, a horseradish, horseradish. mayo. Yeah. Mm. And I think yeah. the old trick of the ham bone and the pea and ham yeah. soup is a really good one. I freeze my ham bone because it's way too hot to be having soup in December in, in Brisbane. And so yeah. I freeze my ham bone off and then I look forward to that winter when it starts to get a little bit colder. It comes out of the freezer and pea and ham soup. It's delicious. Yes. Crovac your ham bones, people. Mm. That's what to do with your leftover ham bone. Yes. (laughs) Beautiful. I've got one more. Oh, yes. Um, All right. This is from Nell. This is her Christmas question. What's the best way to glaze a Christmas ham? Oh. Well, we have discussed this now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. I think everyone wants yeah. to know that. So Everyone wants to know. I have – can I add to that question? Mm. Should you like, – how far in advance should you and can you? Like when mm. – how do you make your ham ahead? Ooh, that's a tricky one because I really like the ham fresh out of the oven so it's still warm, mm. even though it's hot in Brisbane. Um, mm, there's still mm. something about fresh out of the oven, warm, glazed ham. It's also really delicious the next day. So you could make it Christmas Eve or the day before, glaze it, bake it, and then chill it and have a cold glazed ham. There would be nothing wrong with that. It would still be really delicious. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you can make ahead at Christmas, strategize, mm, plan yes. to make the best glazed ham. Consider the time you have. Can, do you have time Christmas morning to get your pre-prepared glaze out of the fridge and your pre-scored ham? So remove the fat early, perhaps score it early, start it with cloves the night before yep. and then the morning of Christmas, maybe brush it and bake it then. You know, maybe that is the best way to do it. But if you don't have time, you don't have time. Yeah. And, you know, oven space is always at a premium as well. So you've got to consider when are you cooking, what needs to be in the oven, at what temperature, and thinking about that when you're planning your menu. Planning that Mm. menu ahead of time and thinking about oven space is super critical. I've definitely been caught out before at Christmas time with having all these things and then you go to put it in the oven and there's no space and Mm. it can be a bit of a disaster. Maximise cold dishes. Yes. Yes, and maximise what can be made in advance to alleviate preparing and cooking and things Mm. that you don't want to be doing on Christmas Day necessarily because you want to spend time with the fam. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Okay, Scotty Bagnall. Yes, Elise Paulbrook. I want to play a game with you. Oh, okay. Okay. Now... This game is make an entree, make a main and make a dessert. So we're going to give each other an ingredient per course. Okay. It's like a mystery box. That's right. So I'll say to you, I want you to cook with asparagus. What's your entree go? And then you're going to throw one back to me and so forth. We need to, the parameters of the game is choose something that is available in season and popular at Christmas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I'm nervous. Let's begin with Entree. Entree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, do you want to go first? Do you want to give me an ingredient? Or do I give you an ingredient? Oh, I don't know. I don't give know. me one so it sets us up nice. Okay, it sets us up. okay, okay. You give me an ingredient. Um, Let's an go. entree ingredient is mm-hmm. going to be oh, Christmas entree ingredient. Yeah, um, Entree ingredient, uh, lettuce. Iceberg oh, lettuce. Oh, beautiful. Gorgeous. Why not? Iceberg lettuce. Let's make a Thai-style 
salad. Or a Vietnamese style salad, like a vermicelli noodle salad. Let's make it seafood. Let's do calamari. Beautiful. I'm in Victoria, so beautiful local calamari. Um, blanched. Okay. Uh, and this can all be made ahead. It can all be stored cold to make it the night before. And it will also allow the um, calamari to absorb the beautiful flavors of the dressing that you're going to make. If you're opting for like Vietnamese flavors, mm. choose a nok chum to mm. dress your vermicelli noodles, shredded carrot, shredded cucumber, maybe bean sprouts, shredded iceberg lettuce. <laughs> yum. And um, yeah, the, the, the calamari that's been just, just quickly blanched. Okay, in salted water and um, toss it all together. You have a delicious entree cold salad. Yum. How about that? Oh, that sounds really good. I didn't know what I was going to say. Neither did you. <laughs> 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 and you can mix the seafood up. You could put your prawns in there too if you Yum, wanted. But, yes. You know, I, I love local calamari. I think there's heaps of it in the bay. Why not use it? Yeah. Yum. Mm, yum. Mm. All right, Scotty, I have an ingredient okay. for you. My ingredient for you is smoked trout. <gasps> Hot smoked or cold smoked. It's smoked trout. Oh, yum. I love smoked trout. I would probably do a smoked trout volivant. <laughs> I Ooh. love a good volivant. I know that's hot. Um, but it's so delicious, like a beautiful bechamel sauce. Um, smoked trout, lots of dill, lots of dill. Um, maybe some pickled onions in a little puff pastry volivant. Uh, mm-hmm. Delicious. Yum. Do you have Yum. a make-ahead tip for your volivants? Um, you can make your white sauce, your bechamel, beforehand um, and have all of that in place and then you can just reheat that. Um, mm. You pop the volivant pastries um, in the oven to crispen up and you pipe in your warmed so you can do them separate, keeps the pastry nice and crispy and mm. then pipe in the, the warmed bechamel sauce with the smoked trout, fresh dill on top. Delicious. Yeah. So your make-ahead bechamel actually includes all the ingredients folded through it as well. So it's almost mm. like a fish pie filling. Yes. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Yes. Yum. And then you just mm. bake the, the shells, yes. add the filling. Mm-hmm. Beautiful done. I, I don't mind that as a little make-ahead, mm. but you do have to make sure you've got oven space. Yes, yes, you yes. You do have to make sure you've got oven space, yes. Mm-hmm. So that could be good for like... You know, a smaller friendsmas maybe. Mm. Not if you've got 50 members of your family coming. Yeah. <laughs> a piping individual volivants could be a bit of a nightmare. Don't put yourself through that. Yeah, no. Just do a smoked <laughs> trout dip in a bowl. Mm. Some beautiful I love it though. fresh <gasps> bread and crudités. Yes. Mm. Trout pate. Hello. Trout pate. <laughs> Let's do main. Scotty, what are you giving me as my main feature ingredient? Okay, Maine. Oh, I am going to give you maybe something a little bit left of field. Leeks. Leeks. Yum. I love leeks. (laughs) Uh, They are a great substitution for onions, especially if you've got Mm. family members who are on some kind of like FODMAP dietary requirement thing. Um, One of my favourite ingredients um, is probably leek because you do get that sweetness um, that you... Like onions can be sweet, but leeks have like a different sweetness about them. That's a little bit more mellowy, a little bit more herbal. I love making a Nigella recipe that is uh, a great, efficient one tray wonder. Yum. Crowd pleaser. You cover the whole bottom of your tray with frozen peas, 
<laughs> oh, yes. Uh, chopped leek. Okay. Make sure yes. you clean your leeks well. It's like a cardinal sin when mm. it comes to leek. I, my top tip with leek is to chop, so trim them. If they've got any like crappy looking bits, I keep as much green as possible. Mm. And then I cut maybe in like, uh, what, three centimeter chunks, mm-hmm. four centimeter chunks. And then I give them another wash in a colander just to make sure any sand or dirt in between those layers is really, really cleaned out. Yep. I will dump that into the tray. So this is a Nigella one-tray bake recipe with leeks and peas, chicken and vermouth. Uh, You drizzle the peas and leeks, olive oil, salt, add vermouth or white wine, whatever it is that you might have. Mm. Her recipe might actually be white wine and I just might make it with vermouth. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. Um, And then you put your chicken thighs on top, seasoned beautifully, lots of salt and pepper, uh, maybe some thyme. And you bake it all into the oven. That is a really good one for feeding a lot of people at Christmas. And an inexpensive cut of meat as well. Chicken, you could do Mm. a couple of trays and feed, what, 20 people. Yum. That sounds Mm. so good. All you need on the side is probably some roast potatoes or Mm, mashed potatoes if you want to use a stovetop instead of the oven. Mm, Yes. Mm. Yum. Yeah. Scotty. Yes. I have an ingredient for you. I'm scared. My ingredient is <laughs> potatoes. Potatoes. Oh, uh, well, I'd have to go potato salad. Oh, yum. Potato You're in Queensland, of salad. course. It needs to be cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I love a good potato salad. and I mix it up all the time. Um, I don't think I ever have the same potato salad every time. I change it up. But my hot tips for potato salad, is I like to keep the skin on. I like to get little baby potatoes, chop them in half, keep the skin on, put them in cold water, bring to a boil and turn it off and just let Ooh. it sit to go back to cold and you get the perfect cooked potato. Really? It is fail safe every single time. Um, you've got to start with the cold water, get it to boil, turn it off, leave it. I'm going to try that. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. Try it. It works every time. It's awesome. You get beautifully Mm. cooked potatoes. They're not too soggy. Um, And then I like to fry up bacon and get all the bacon fat um, and pour the bacon and the bacon fat into with the potatoes. Mm. Lemon zest, um, some chopped up spring onions is really good. Hard-boiled eggs, really important. Mm. Um, and usually I just do some beautiful olive oil, salt and pepper. Um, ah. and it doesn't have like a mayo. Um, yeah. So it's just nice and fresh. It's got the bacon. It's got the fat from the bacon, the crispy, oh, the fresh spring onions, um, gherkins, chopped up Delicious. gherkins and capers as well, um, and the hard-boiled eggs. Gorgeous. I'm surprised mm. you don't do the mayo. Wow. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Depends what yeah. I feel. Depends if great. I'm in a mayo mood or not. Mm. That's a great little make-ahead recipe too. Thank you. Mm. I liked it. Very yeah. nice. And <laughs> you're not cluttering the oven with roast potatoes. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Scotty dessert. Hit me. Dessert. Oh, okay. I mm-hmm. am going to... Oh, this is an ingredient that I want, but I'm going to give it to you, I think. Oh. 
Oh, you've even shown me. It's a mango, people. It's a mango. <laughs> it's my show and tell. Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Now, we have mango. these in Queensland all the time. Do you get these in Melbourne? Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people that when mangoes are $10, $15 a box at the Queen Victoria Market, I will buy a whole box and I've always been that person. When I was at uni, I had the luxury of being a student at the University of Melbourne and on my breaks or if I finished class early, I would go down to the market um, and buy an expensive fruit and mm. then take it home, buy the box on the tram. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to give you it. an idea for mangoes that yes. would suit low fuss, low effort, highly entertaining um, mm. Christmas dinner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Christmas dinner. Everyone's full. Everyone's already had pudding at lunch. Everyone's had mm. their pav. They just want a little bit of something that's... You know, you're just going to tick the box that they've had Christmas dinner dessert. Yes. The barbecue's on. Perhaps you've had a barbecue at Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say barbecued mango cheeks. Barbecued yeah. mango cheeks. With yes. With like store-bought ice cream. Why not? <gasps> Yum. Just cook the mango cheeks like uh, cut side down. Keep the skin mm. on so that they are... Uh, I suppose, pick upable. Yes, yes. Get a nice little bit of a char. They'll caramelise a little bit from the natural sugars. Mm. And um, then you can scoop out that half, slice it, and then serve, what, what three slices per person with a scoop of ice cream? Mm. Yum, Even some, not? like, brandy cream, like just some whipped cream with some brandy in it. Yeah, Sure. <laughs> Bringing the booze in again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Coco Yum. liked it. We got a little bark there. Yes, Coco approves. Um, what else? You could, you know, if you wanted to elevate that more, you could serve that alongside a cafe lime panna cotta. Why not? Oh, yum! Yes, mm, and some panna cotta is an easy one to make at Christmas. You can make yeah. that ahead of time. Absolutely, um, and it can just be sitting in the fridge ready to go. Order your panna cotta molds now. Yes. So that they come in time for Christmas. Scotty, your dessert ingredient will be cherries. Yay! I've actually got some cherries here. I had no idea you were going to give me this ingredient. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it just fell off the stalk. <laughs> <laughs> cherries are so good. Fresh cherries when they come mm-hmm. into season. These are good already and it's already a little bit early. Um but so good. I think for me, cherries has to be a pavlova. Oh. <laughs> it has to be a pavlova. Fresh yeah. cherries on a pavlova. I also do a Turkish delight pavlova. I'm addicted to Turkish delight. Anything oh, rose water. So I do a rose water cream on top of a pavlova. Yes. You can have a little chocolate ganache as well. So chocolate ganache over the top of the pavlova, rose water cream, and then fresh cherries over the top. It is so good. The like oh. freshness of the cherries, the chocolate ganache, the rose water cream. It has all those flavours of Turkish delight, but it's nice and light. And cherries always look magnificent on a pavlova. Gorgeous. This mm. is a beautiful segue to how to master chef your pav. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so, so many options when oh, it comes to yeah. a pav. Oh yeah. Flavoring the meringue. Is a big mm. one. Do something a little yes. different and have flavoured meringues. If you're doing a cherry uh, topping, what about a chocolate meringue? 
That could also Yum. be good as an alternate to the Turkish Delight rose water sitch. Yeah. Mm. I like pimping up the pav component with nuts as well, oh, like yeah. ground hazelnuts in a pavlova bring a real nutty flavour and I think it cuts through the sugar a little bit. It's not just sugar and nothing else. It brings flavour Do you have it. a tip for making sure that people don't add too much ground nut or uh, how should they grind their nuts um, there are a couple of uh, variables there that could end up in a pavlova disaster. Oh, how, do you, no. how, do you av- how do you avoid pavlova disaster by incorporating nuts or when incorporating yeah. nuts? Look, I think I just do it by look and feel with the pav. And nuts are dry, so they're really not going to change the consistency of the pav too much. And you want a nice sprinkling so that you can see the nuts evenly distributed through the pav. So you make the pav as you normally would. You don't even need a recipe for this. Mm-hmm. And what before you go to plate that pav or put it onto your um, baking paper to put in the oven, you can just fold through... Um, the shaved almonds is really good. Um, mm. Hazelnuts. I get whole roasted hazelnuts and just crush them. So you get chunks of hazelnuts and little bits. Like you can have mm. like little small bits of hazelnuts and bigger bits. So you get that texture variety Love to it. it. Um, I really like that. And you just do it by eye. You don't want too many. But like I said, it's not bringing any moisture and it's not changing the consistency of the pavs. So nuts are a pretty safe option in terms of flavoring a pav. Beautiful. Perhaps just don't uh, process your nuts in a food processor so far that Mm. uh, you have nut paste that would result in adding fat to your pav um, and Mm. adding weight to the pav that would interfere with the bake. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yummy. I love that. More crunch through nuts. Um, Mm. In terms of other ways of flavouring your pavlova, orange zest... Yes. The zest of two to three oranges. Yes, gorgeous. Uh, Maybe a little shot of um, orange blossom. Uh, I like love a little shot, like a teaspoon water. or a tablespoon, <laughs> yeah. depending on the size of the pav and how many egg, egg whites you're using in it. Gorgeous, um, yes. Uh, what's another beautiful flavoring? T- you want to flavor the marshmallow. Saffron is yes. something that I've done before. I've, I've oh, blitzed saffron, saffron into the sugar. Um, yes. And that would be beautiful with um, a Chantilly cream and then rose, uh, a rose water, like strawberry and rhubarb type of compote or like a rose geranium strawberry and and, um, rose water compote. That would be lovely, I think. Rose and saffron, very, very uh, beautiful little pairing there. Mm. Uh, It's Christmas time, so spice. Spices. Mm -hmm, I was going to say spices like cinnamon, cardamom, like really spicing it up can go beautifully. Cinnamon and plums, like pairing with stone fruit. You could even roast your stone fruit on the barbecue. Like a cinnamon pav with roast plums on the barbecue. Yum. Delicious. And you don't need to add too much. You know, you, no. add, you need l- l- less than what you probably think, to be honest, mm. when you're flavouring a pavlova. And I would probably add like half a teaspoon of ground cardamom, for example, if I was using yep. ground cardamom. Cardamom and orange pav mm. with 
roasted apricots and cream. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm. yes. And you can have fun with the cream as well. Like having, if you've got lots of sticky fruit, I think sometimes like a creme fraiche is a beautiful yes. way to cut through the sweetness because the pav has got so much sweetness. If you've got like a stewed fruit with sweetness, like a creme fraiche is a great way to just add a little bit more lightness to the pav. Yes. So would you do 50-50 cream and creme fraiche or like 100% mm. creme fraiche? Sometimes I just do 100% creme yeah. fraiche. Cool. There's enough sugar everywhere else um, that it can handle it. Yum, yum. Mm. If you don't want to incorporate the nuts into your pav, they could be sprinkled on top. So like yes. think apricot and amaretto pavlova. Mm. Toasted yeah. flaked almonds on top of like beautifully burnt apricots that have been, you know, doused in a little bit of booze. Yum. Mm, oh. Yum. We have a cocoa interruption. Cocoa. You could add cocoa to your pav. <laughs> my dog Coco is here. She wants to be on my lap. <gasps> this is not convenient. This is not convenient. Oh, God, Coco Bob Bob. No, honey. Oh, I can't push her off either because she'll just knock down the laptop. Oh, God. <gasps> Okay, we have a special guest. <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, it's quite entertaining. <laughs> Coco is our special guest on the podcast today. Scotty, I have, a lo- I have another question regarding the yes, Pavlova. Yes. I have a question for you regarding Pavlova mm-hmm. and I want your advice because yes. I have a fantasy of, as I mentioned earlier, drinking an entire bottle of beautiful Margaret River uh, Chardonnay to myself. Mm, And uh, (laughs) the bottle that I uh, believe that I will be drinking has flavour notes of peach. Oh, yeah, yum. And I, when I tasted a lot of wines in the Margaret River, I was like, wow, boozy peaches, boozy peaches. I want a boozy peach pavlova. Mm. So if I'm doing a poached peach, boozy poached peach, what should I flavour the actual meringue with? What would you do? And Ooh. would you do a flavoured cream? If you're incorporating the egg whites into the pav, you could use the egg yolks for like a cream diplomat. That's also oh, yes. flavoured. I want to know what you would do to achieve boozy peach pavlova. Boozy peach pavlova, like a mm. peach melba. I think, uh, oh, there's lots of things that go really well with peach. Amaretto, like almond and peach go really well together. Yes. Um, So I think I would probably put some um, toasted slithered almonds through the pav to get a bit of that almond texture. And then maybe a boozy custard. Ooh. I like the idea of using, because when you make pav, you've got all these egg whites, you've got all these egg yolks left over. So being smart with that, you could do a curd. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think a lemon curd and a peach. It could be yummy, but I think I'd go with a custard and maybe an amaretto custard. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll stick to like just peach as like the fruit or like the flavour. I was reading a book. I can't remember which book. There's about five cookbooks stacked next to my bed at any given time. And one of the paths in this particular book was flavoured with a herb sugar. So sage had been blitzed with sugar. Oh, yeah. Before being slowly added to the egg whites as you would make a pavlova, that slow, gradual adding of sugar. So it was a sage sugar. Wow. What, what herb would you think works well in that boozy peach situation? 
You know what I would do? Mm. Tarragon. <gasps> I have tarragon. Mm. I have it growing in my garden. Tarragon, because it's got like a star anise type vibe and star anise and peach and, you know, I always think that licorice sort of flavour goes really well with Christmas. Ah, oh, that's such a great idea. I could do ouzo poached peaches. Yes. This is, this, this is it. This is it. Do you think the the oh, moisture yeah. from the tarragon when you make a tarragon sugar mm. will bring too much? Is that is that a thing? Will that be a problem? I don't know. You could dry the tarragon out, or should I just use a niece? You could, mm. and a seed or fennel. 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 fennel I am going to make too. a fennel sugar. Fennel yeah. sugar, fennel seeds, yeah. I'll make that a fennel really sugar good. for the meringue because that's a little bit more less trial and error sitch than adding yes. the herbs. Yep. And what flavour creme pat for a like a cream diplomat? So a, a cream diplomat mm. is like a a creme pat, so a heavy custard with corn flour in it, very thick mm. that's lightened with whipped cream. Yes. What should we flavour the custard? There's an opportunity there to infuse the milk. Mm, oh, yeah, infuse the milk. You know my garden too. Lots of herbs, lots, lots of variety. Of I've got lemon verbena. I've got so much going on. Lemon verbena could be interesting. Lemon verbena, fennel. That would work. That lemon and star anise aniseed. That could be yum. Fennel meringue with lemon verbena cream diplomat. And ouzo poached peaches. <laughs> oh, my God. Look, it's unusual. I've never seen it before, but yeah. I think you should have it a go and uh, report back to us. Have a go and report back. Yeah. I mean, I could just do a basic vanilla cream, but I don't know. Are we happy with that cream diplomat? Are we happy? Are we pausing? No. With the lemon verbena. Lemon and fennel go well, but it's lemon, fennel and peach. Is that, I think that's is that fine. too many things? No. Look, lemon, it's breaking your rule of two things, but it does. it's three I things. I love keeping things simple. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can stretch to three for Christmas. I can stretch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kind of person that when I make a salad, it features like a leaf and maybe one or two other things and like the dressing, of course, but I'm not a everything but the kitchen sink salad kind of girl. If there's a salad on the table and it's just a mixture of Every single vegetable and leaves and, and cheeses, I'm like, well, there's something has gone wrong. I like, yes. I like those I- ingredients individually plated. <laughs> yes. In yeah, pairs or triplets maximum. Now, you've mentioned, at least a couple of cookbooks that are your go-to for Christmas um, that you draw inspiration from. I think we should do a bit of a cookbook share. This is something that we've done on our podcast numerous times before. And, you know, I've got a few cookbooks lying around that I like to refer to. Have you got any go-tos for Christmas? The go-tos that I'm going to mention, Scotty, are books that I've had for quite a while. Mm. So I... I'm not making suggestions of any new releases and in in many ways this is problematic because some of these books were published a while ago and the recipes are a little dated. Recipes that are classics never get old but sometimes mm. like there are some canapes from the 90s that should never resurface. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think um, Nigella's Christmas 
is is a little bit of a culprit Ooh. of that. You know, she's been around for a while, and um, there are some recipes that we probably just wouldn't make in twenty twenty two. I don't still even is... have this Nigella's Christmas. Oh, I, I can't need to add this to it. my How list. Friends? <laughs> I know. I love I love Nigella's Christmas for advice in relation to the perfect roast potatoes. I believe Ooh. this recipe should be online because most of her recipes are. She's mm. she's got a little bit of a whole like filing system of her her recipes that I have all of her books and when I want to find one of her recipes and I can't remember what book it's come from, I go to her website, I chuck in perfect roast potatoes, for example, and it will say Nigella's Christmas. Mm. So I just go and grab that book from the shelf because I I prefer to read my books and cook from yes. books than having screens open or having to have my phone on next to me and get distracted with it. Anyway, yep, I like to splatter my pages with oil <laughs> and flavors. <laughs> um, the book that I mentioned earlier was a Bill Granger book and it's not a Christmas book. Mm. It's Bill Granger holiday. And of course in Australia, Christmas time is a holiday time and it's a time for relaxing and his simple recipes are perfect for making sure that you're not just cooking throughout the holiday season. Uh, the entire back section of this book is pretty much Christmas themed. He has a whole Christmas chapter. Um, other Christmas books I have, Margaret Fulton's Christmas, and I have a Maggie Beer Christmas book too, and almost everything has verjuice in it. <laughs> <laughs> the queen of verjuice. Yeah, yeah. And I think what is, um, I suppose, similar to the Maggie, Nigella, and um, Margaret Christmas special books is that they're all books that have recipes that are made for ultimate comfort. Um, mm. And as much ease as possible. These yes. are books that feature recipes that are simple, economical, and you know, are family friendly. Cooking for everyone in the family can be nightmarish, mm. and uh, these are women that know the game very, very well. Uh, if you ever see these books in op shops, definitely grab them. I love a good retro cookbook, but I'm going to share. Actually, I've got one retro cookbook to share, but I'm going to share uh, a newer version. Which is, this is very not on brand for me because I'm a big fan of the old retro traditional recipes. But like I said, at Christmas time, I, I'm, I'm now like at that point in my life, I think, that I want to just mix things up and do things different. Mm. And a really good go-to for me that has delicious recipes that are predominantly vegetarian um, and hero sides um, is oh. Otolinghi Flavor. I think great. this one is a great book. It's got beautiful vegetarian recipes, hero side dishes. Otolinghi is the master of flavor. And quite often a lot of the recipes are really simple, but mm. they just create those killer side dishes that you just need that hero ham and some amazing side dishes. And it's going to create a, a really memorable Christmas. So this Otolinghi flavor is a great one. And Otolinghi sweet Mm. is a good one for the dessert. So these are fairly new cookbooks out on the market. Um, but I think Otolinghi is just a master of flavour and yes. they're a little bit different rather than the traditional old school recipes. So these yes. two are really, really good. The master of salad. Otolinghi is salad. a great suggestion of, at Christmas. Oh, Maximising cold dishes on the table, mm. flavour bombs, yes. and of course minimising... You know, making sure that when you are cooking with a protein that you're 
I suppose, buying less meat but better quality and then mm. you don't miss having a lot of meat or a lot of different varieties of meat because the vegetables are so good. So good. And everyone yes. in the family is happy. The vegetarians are happy. The vegans are happy. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. I love so that my, suggestion. They're my new ones. This is my little retro one. Oh, cute. Woman's Weekly Christmas. Woman's Weekly Christmas. This is one of my favourite ones. And what I do a lot of and why I love this one the most is it's got beautiful little like Christmas gift ideas. And yeah. one of the things that I love to do at Christmas time is bake gifts for people. So you don't have to um, – it's really hard to buy presents for people. People, it's hard to know what they want. You don't mm. want to give someone something that they don't like or they have to store it. So like baked goods I think are really, really good yeah. because they're yummy, delicious. You enjoy them over that Christmas period and then you don't need to find a spot on your shelf um, yes. And so this one, this little Christmas Women's Weekly, this is an old one. I've had it for years and years and years, but it's full of really yummy little Christmas gift ideas, which I love. What are cooked gifts or baked gifts that you've given to people at Christmas in the past? Oh, look, I like to do a um, coconut ice. That's a nice retro one. I have just made this year a beautiful Davidson plum coconut ice. Mm. So to cut through the sugar, sometimes coconut ice can just be sickly sweet. Mm -hmm. The pink layer I flavoured with Davidson plum, which has got a beautiful sour tartiness to it. Mm. So the bottom layer is vanilla and the top layer is Davidson plum and I put some cranberries in there. It's a beautiful little Christmas hack. You can just use your standard um, coconut ice recipe, but in the pink layer, fold through... Um, dried Davidson plum powder and some cranberries and oh, you have wow. a nice little little Christmas hack on the coconut ice. And cute. Yeah. cute. What, what do you do? You make Christmas gifts? Um, I do something different each year. There was one year I gave out little hampers to like everyone in the family. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. It was too much. Um, I lot. would, In terms of the favourite things from the hamper... Uh, the hamper year, we will call it. <laughs> um, I've learnt from the hamper year. In subsequent years, I've only done one thing. Yes. Um, the hamper year had vegetable stock paste made in oh, the Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Uh, jars of caramel, butterscotch caramel. Oh, yeah. Jars of spiced nuts. Oh, yum. Uh, the hampers had like a rhubarb vanilla jam. Yum. And... I learnt from that year. I probably had like a, a, like a biscuit or something in that hamper too. But in subsequent wow. years, um, I have made, yeah, one biscuit. Uh, I suppose yep. something quite involved but not as involved as a whole hamper of handmade things. I made um, from the book that you just suggested, Sweet, the rhubarb custard oh, yo-yos. Yeah. Oh, yum. Yeah. yeah. They were a little bit more work than what I realised for making uh, en masse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and instead of just using uh, rhubarb as a buttercream flavoring, I also did a passion fruit buttercream. So custard oh, yogos yum. with passion fruit buttercream. Um, and everyone loved I made little tins of them. So I got all the tins off Gumtree. I made sure they were clean, but I like drove Gorgeous. around collecting tins. <laughs> <laughs> so I could fill it up to give to like everyone. Oh, wow. <laughs> How, how many of these biscuits um, did you make? In total, so you much make? butter. I don't know. I felt like I was making biscuits for three days. Um, <gasps> Whoa. Which is not necessarily what you want to do with your days off before Christmas. No. So I don't recommend doing that. 
do it in smaller quantities, yes. Yep. That's why I yep. like the coconut ice. You don't need to use your oven. Mm. It's just quick. Mix it all mm. together, throw it in the fridge, cut it up. goes a long way. You can make yeah, a big beautiful. batch easy. Yum. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. I think the most important thing at Christmas time is to be kind to yourself mm. and reduce the amount of pressure on yourself that you can. If things don't go to plan, it's not the end of the world. Life mm. goes on. Everyone is still going to have a good time. Christmas is about connecting with people and family and those that you love. And they're going to love you no matter whether that Christmas ham is overbaked or underbaked or whether that turkey is exactly textbook as you wanted it and dreamt in your head. It's still going to be delicious. And uh, just, just don't put that added level of expectation and pressure on yourself, I think. Yeah. Keep it easy. Up until 2 a.m. making 50 million brownies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Scotty, what are you doing for Christmas to be kind to yourself? What are you actually doing? Because I want to keep you accountable. Oh, yeah. Look, that's a very good question. A break. Um, I'm going to have a little break. Yes, I think I really need that break. It's going to be hectic right up until Christmas Day, I think. But it's going to be nice just to spend Christmas Day at home. Mm. I'm going to be cooking, but I love cooking. So that's not a big um, problem for me. It's something that I love doing. And the fact that I can just um, have fun at home, cooking all day on Christmas and relaxing and not have to go anywhere is going to be good. Mm. And then I'm just going to have some downtime, I think, that Christmas and New Year period goes so quickly and everything's shut and everyone's away. So it's a good time just to recharge. So I think I'm going to spend some time on the couch watching some Netflix and uh, just relaxing. Oh, fun joy. What about you? I am – so I'm hosting Christmas Eve and uh, I've got a couple of catering jobs booked on either side of Christmas. So I've really stuffed up myself. I haven't planned for myself. So This um, doesn't sound like you're looking after yourself at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, uh, yeah, like three full-on work days um, early in the week of Christmas and then Boxing Day and the 27th of December I have catering jobs. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. You're crazy. Boxing Day? Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, now, these catering jobs are booked through a website called Gather. You're on the website too, Scotty. Yes, um, I'm cooking with Gather as well. Yeah. So people can book us to put, to cook for them at private functions. Mm. Um, if you're ever wanting us to come and cook for you in in uh, Victoria or in, or in Brisbane. Um, wow. I say Victoria broadly because I do tend to find myself driving around to various destinations to cook for people, which I love. I love cooking with a view of the beach. Mm, It's beautiful. Um, So what I'm trying to do is not do too much uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Um, There's just the paella on Christmas Eve that I'm doing and then I've allocated stuff to others. Um, So that's in a way Uh, self-protective. Self-preservation is always key. Um, I think the the most time you can spend uh, not on your feet, the better, because mm. that physical exhaustion of cooking and preparing, catering, etc., is what you want to avoid. Um, yeah, my catering menus will be as simple as possible, while being maximum pleasure and 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 uh, yeah, uh, oxytocin releasing foods. Yum! Yeah, I love it. So if you if you go into the Christmas period thinking. Uh, uh, 
you know, I need a, I need an ethos or I need a little bit of a guiding principle towards the season. That would be my offer of advice, actually. Maximum oxytocin creating low physical exhaustion. I think that needs an causing. <laughs> causing. What do we call it? Mac- M maximum ox M O M O C and then low energy sorry, sorry. And energy exhaustion. Mocleo. Low energy. <laughs> I can't work it out. I can't work it out. It doesn't have an acronym. Just be kind it. to yourself. <laughs> That's probably simpler. <laughs> We need to talk about our next series of cream eggs and jam for next season as well. Twenty twenty three cream eggs and jam. We've I suppose got some that's a goal. To do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have another whole season out there in the universe. Yes. Mm. So Beautiful. if you've got any ideas of what you'd like to hear for next season, we would love to hear from you. We've had such an amazing time this year creating this podcast. We hope you have really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, next year we want to go bigger and better. Tell us all your ideas and also keep us in the loop on what you're doing on Christmas. If you've got any hot tips and tricks, share them with us and we can share them with our listeners. We would love to do that. Mm. Tell us what you're doing for Christmas. Send us pictures of what you're making. Yes. Thank you for listening to our Christmas special. Have a wonderful festive season and I hope that we have given you uh, you know, some gems, some pearls in this podcast. Uh, please be in touch. We love to talk with our listeners and be safe, be happy, be merry. Have a great Christmas, everyone, and a happy new year. And you will hear from us in 2023 with a brand new season. Merry Christmas, everyone. You've been listening to Cream, Eggs and Jam. I'm Elise Pulbrook, and you can find me on Instagram at Elise underscore food person. And I'm Scott Bagnall, and you can find me on Instagram at SS Bagnall. If you'd like to send us your show and tell, you can email us scottyandelise at gmail.com. Or if you'd like the visual experience of this podcast, you can find us on YouTube at Cream Eggs and Jam. Have a great day. Happy baking.